Matthew chapter 5. As you're turning there, let me invite you to uh, be here Wednesday evening as we celebrate the complete life of our Savior. We'll be looking at the birth, the earthly ministry, the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. We'll be doing this in songs, scripture readings, prayers, as we celebrate the entire life of our Savior. Be here Wednesday for that very special Devo. Does it always seem to you that you're chasing happiness? Does it seem like happiness is like that balloon that is so close, but you never exactly catch up? You watch the TV, you see the uh, item advertised, and you think, if I had that, if I had that thingamabob, if I had that whatchamacallit, I, I would be happy. But what happens after you buy that thingamabob, that whatchamacallit? Does it really bring happiness? Or does it end up in the closet or maybe in the garage? How do we find true happiness in the year 2020? Happiness is, um, well, when we talk about happiness, we got to talk about outlook. And when we talk about outlook, we got to talk about uh, attitude. Because here is the truth. Outlook determines outcome in our lives. And attitude determines action. So how do we find the outlook that will result in happiness? And how do we develop the attitude that will gather happiness into our lives? You know, in just a little bit over a week, we will be wishing people a Happy New Year. That is something that we traditionally do in, in our country. We say Happy New Year's to everyone around us. How do we get it? How does that happiness come about in our lives? And how can we truly have a Happy New Year? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, because our Lord is going to tell us how to do this. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 1, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed. Now, in our world today, we don't use this word very often. We use a different word. That word is happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The poor in spirit are truly blessed. They are truly fortunate as the privileged recipients of God's favor. They're the ones. They're the ones who experience a fullness of life. Do you want to be happy? Truly happy? Then be poor in spirit. But now you ask me a question. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? It means to be humble. To be humble. First off, be humble in your attitude toward yourself. 
you know, that, that's a hard thing to do. Because we like to always build ourselves up, you know. We like to put ourselves on even a higher plateau. But to be poor in spirit means to be humble in your attitude toward yourself. You have to understand that without Jesus, every one of us are morally and spiritually bankrupt. We have to confess that we are unworthy before Jesus and that we are utterly dependent on Him. Now, that's not what the world tells us. The world says, find happiness and self-esteem. Jesus here says, though, no, that's not right. You find happiness in acknowledging that there's nothing in you that's perfect that you're morally bankrupt. In the Old Testament, it says, Jeremiah chapter 17, the heart. What is the heart? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You and I, when we compare ourselves to the Creator, we come up way short. In fact, Jesus, Jesus had something to say about this in Luke chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, he tells a parable about a, a, a Pharisee and a tax collector. In their world, the Pharisees would be, well, that guy's pretty high up in society. And the tax collector, he's about as low as you can get. He's about as low as anybody might be. Here's what Jesus said, verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. Can you picture him pointing? Can you picture him, you know, sneering? I fast twice a week. Well, I'm so good. I don't, I don't do it just once. I do it twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Compare that to this tax collector's prayer. The tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Either you do it willingly, or you'll do it one day in eternity. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself, you humble yourself here, you're going to be exalted. A reward in heaven. Do you want to be truly happy? If you want to be truly favored by God, then be humble in your attitude toward yourself. Be willing to admit that I'm a flawed individual desperately in need of a Savior. The day was April the 12th, 
2012. Philip Humber, a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Okay, so you're going to notice this guy, this guy right here, okay? Philip Humber did something that was very unique. He pitched a perfect game in Seattle. Did you know that? Okay, you knew that. A perfect game. That means no hits, no runs, and your team doesn't have any fielding mistakes. That's 27 men up, 27 men down. In the 150-year history of Major League Baseball, there's only been 23 perfect games ever pitched over 150 years. But what happens seven months after he pitches this perfect game? He is released in November by the Chicago White Sox. They don't want him anymore. Why? Because he really wasn't that great a pitcher. He only won 16 games his whole career. He lost 23, by the way. So what happened to him? The perfection ruined him. The perfection spoiled him as he sought to be perfect every pitch of every game that he was in. He was constantly changing his grip on the ball. He was constantly changing his arm angle. He was talking to coaches, talking to other players, making adjustments during the game. Quoting him, he said, I thought I could be perfect all the time. When we, when we like Philip Humber, when we like Philip Humber feel like we are really good enough to be perfect, we fall flat on our faces. It's only when we're done chasing perfection that we find real happiness. We know we start every year thinking, this is going to be the year. This is going to be the year. I I'm going to resolve to turn over to a new leaf. This time I'm going to be serious. We promise ourselves that we're going to quit bad habits. We're going to start good habits. We're going to get in shape. We're going to eat better. We're going to waste less time. We're going to be more content, more disciplined. And so on and so on and so on. We're going to be better husbands, better wives, better fathers, better mothers, better people. And then what happens? A few weeks after we have all those resolutions, for most of us, we have abandoned them. We fall short. The gospel, the gospel is the good news announcing that Jesus loves us in spite of our flaws, our freckles, our imperfections. That he loves us, truly does love us. As this new year gets underway, Let's all take comfort in knowing that we are weak. That is true. But He, He is strong. That even as our love for Jesus falls short, Jesus' love for us never will. Do you want to be truly happy? Then give up the illusion that you're going to be good enough to be perfect. And don't be afraid to admit your mistakes. Jesus said, these people here in verse 3, they're happy. Why? Because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Notice that's in the present tense. That's pretty important, I believe. 
Because in the very next six Beatitudes, the reward is in the future tense. But here, verse 3, and in verse 10, the reward is in the present tense. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is a present reality for those who are poor in spirit and those who are persecuted. Verse number 10. What is this kingdom of heaven? It's where you allow God to rule. I'm talking about your heart. Is that what you want? Do you want the blessing of Christ's reign in your life here and now? Then be poor in spirit. Acknowledge your own spiritual bankruptcy before God. Admit that you're weak and utterly dependent on the Lord. Be humble in your attitude toward yourself. Then second, be humble in your attitude toward sin. Do we have sins in our lives? Yes, because we're human. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We leave undone things that we should complete. We have sin. Let the sin in your own life break your heart. Grieve over the loss of any impurity when it happens to you. What does it say in verse 4 of chapter 5? It says, blessed, blessed, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The world says, don't worry about your sins. Don't worry about those things. Uh, uh, Just minimize that uh, sin. Uh, uh, Just call it a mistake, an honest mistake. Uh, uh, Call it a, a lapse in judgment. Just call it a slight imperfection. But whatever you do, don't let an ounce of guilt ruin your life. That's what the world says. But Jesus says, mourn over your sins. Let the guilt and the pain of sin bring tears to your eyes. James, in his fourth chapter, verse 9, he says to grieve, to mourn, to wail over the stuff that's not right in your life. Do we gloss over our sins Or do we confront them and handle them and present them and say, God, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. As Christians, we dare not take sin lightly. It's a serious matter in the life of a believer. And it should break our hearts. For then and only then do we find God's help in removing that sin. It says, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Do you want to be truly happy in the coming year, 2020? Then be humble in your attitude toward yourself. Be humble in your attitude toward sin. And third, be humble in your attitude toward others. Be gentle in your dealings with people. Be lenient. Don't demand your own rights. Be considerate. Of others. Notice what Jesus said in verse 5 of Matthew 5. Blessed, happy, happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now don't confuse meekness with weakness, because it's not the same. 
Moses, according to Numbers 12, verse 3, Moses was meek, but he wasn't weak. He was a strong leader. He led a nation through the desert. It says that Jesus was meek in Matthew 11, verse 29, but Jesus was the one who drove out the money changers from the temple. Meekness and weakness are not the same. Meekness is strength under control. The word was used in Bible times of, of taming an animal, a wild animal, of bringing that animal's strength under control so that it would serve the needs of others. And that's what God is calling us to do in our relationships, to take what strength we have and use it to serve others. So we don't demand our way. We don't assert our own personal rights. Instead, we treat others as more important than ourselves. We make sure that their needs are met. We make sure that their rights are not violated. The world says, assert your rights. Don't let the people walk all over you. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, the gentle and the humble. Paul, in writing to the church at Philippi in chapter 2, he urges us to consider others better than ourselves. Harsh treatment, harsh treatment can get immediate results, that's true. But over time, harsh treatments cease to be effective. Over time, it hardens people. Over time, it just drives people away from you. On the other hand, there is no power on earth greater than love. Over time, love conquers all. Over time, love changes people's lives. And over time, love fosters an intense loyalty that is unstoppable. You see... Only the meek, it says, inherit the earth. Only the meek have real influence that will last over time. The harsh, the unyielding, they end up with nothing. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Do you want to have a truly happy life in 2020? Then first, be humble in your attitude toward yourself. Be humble, number two, in your attitude toward sin. Number three, be humble in your attitude toward others. And number four, be humble in your attitude toward God. Cultivate a true spiritual passion. Develop a desire to know God, truly know God, and to model His life on a personal basis. It says in verse 6, Blessed happy. Happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. A young man approached an older minister with a request. He said, I want to know how I can find God in my life. How can I find God in my life? The older man said, come follow me. He took him out to a river. 
They waded out to the middle of that river and then suddenly that older minister who was much larger, much bigger than the young guy, he pushes the young man under the water and he holds him there for a long time and, and the young man is, is struggling. He's desperate for air. He's about to give up the struggle. When finally the older preacher grabs him and pulls him up and he says these words, When you want God... As bad as you just then wanted air, then you will find Him. How badly do we want God? I'm afraid too many are satisfied with only a little bit of God on Sunday morning and nothing more. Just one hour of God. But only when we want Him more than food only when we want Him more than water, only when we want Him more than the air we breathe, only when we want Him more than life itself, will we ever truly be satisfied and happy. Otherwise, we just, go, we just keep on going, living, getting by, surviving. The world, the world says, don't be too overzealous in your faith. But, you know, you can have religion, but just a little bit of it. Just enough to be comfortable, not too much to make you a religious nutcase. One writer put it this way. He wrote the following words. I like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Now, I don't want enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep. I want just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of God to make me love a poor man or to harvest crops with a migrant worker. You see, I want happiness, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want about a pound of the eternal in a paper sack, so give me... I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. That's all the world wants. But Jesus said, hunger and thirst for righteousness, to want it more than anything else, for then and only then will we be truly satisfied. Do you want a truly happy new year? Then be humble in your attitude toward yourself. Be humble in your attitude toward sin. Be humble in your attitude toward others. And be humble in your attitude toward God. In a sentence, be humble if you want to be happy. It seems backward, doesn't it? In our contemporary society, if our contemporary society were writing a set of Beatitudes for the 21st century... It might go something like this. Blessed are the rich and the famous because they can always get a seat at the best restaurants. Blessed are those who party for they know how to have fun. Blessed are the movers and the shakers for they shall make a name for themselves. Blessed are those who demand their rights for they shall not be overlooked. In contrast, in contrast, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
Blessed, happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed, happy are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In fact, Jesus right there gives us an important formula. The formula for true happiness is joy. It's not happiness. Because happiness can come and go. It's dependent on the circumstances and the situations. But joy goes beyond the moment. Joy goes beyond the circumstance. Joy goes beyond the situation. And it will last for eternity. So I'm not going to wish you in about nine days a happy new year. I'm going to wish you a joyous new year in 2020. Are you a Christian tonight? Have you put on your Lord in baptism? Have you become a follower, a follower of the Lord? Do you believe? Will you repent? Will you confess? Will you be baptized? That puts you inside His family. You become a member of a family that can have true joy. True joy. Most of us here have done that. Perhaps you have let sin take over your life. Maybe you have fallen away. You can come back to Him. All you got to do is ask Him to forgive you. If you repent, He will forgive. 1 John 1, 9. This church stands ready to pray with you and for you. Sean has selected a song to encourage you tonight to make that decision. It would be true joy to see you respond this evening. Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement. There's a fountain.